Support for Elwood City Limits is made possible by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Email. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. And by subscribing on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. Thank you. And, and my free time. Well, it's Oscar season. The nominees are in. And I, I'm sorry to say, another year of Arthur being snubbed. No, Mr. Haney did not win or was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Mr. Not even Best Supporting Principal. Ratburn for, Ratburn for Screenplay? I think that was a real real big snub. Mark Brown, Best Adapted Screenplay? Oh, yeah. It's not happening. No, certainly not. Scare your pants off club. Mark- Sur- surprisingly, was nominated for one of the um, audio awards, Best Sound Design, so congrats to Scare Your Pants Off. All, that's, all that screaming really paid All that off. screaming. Well, your opening was better than what I was going to do. I was, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, no, I was just going to say, I'm really bored. I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Elwood City Limits. Uh, it is the Episodic Arthur Podcast. My name's Will Young, and uh, my cinephile friend with me is Lucas Mancini. Hey, Lucas. Hey! So, of course, uh, getting into that Oscar season, also getting close to the Super Bowl. That's There's, right. Uh, we, you know, it's February and March are kind of, are, are, are both of those in February? When's the Super Bowl? Oh, no, Will. Don't look at me <laughs> like that. Like, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know just enough to be dangerous. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, whenever those happen, it's a big time of the year. Uh, and we are here for, well, a big reason to review and talk about another episode of Arthur, the PBS animated series. Now, of course, the best way to interact with this podcast, other than the social media ways that you heard at the top of the episode, is to follow along, uh, to watch the episode for yourself. Just uh, Google, type in those uh, episode names, and you will surely find them in whatever part of the world. And uh, yeah, join us so that you can form your own thoughts, and then hopefully get back to us with what you thought about it. So Lucas, it is uh, for an almost boring podcast, we're talking about Arthur's almost boring day. <laughs> I w- oh, I-, I think a little bit highly of us than that, but... Yeah. I just couldn't resist the <laughs> the the humor. Mm. Oh, the jokes. The jokes. So, of course, this episode that we're starting off with, it's Arthur's Almost Boring Day. Uh, and it's all about being bored. You know, he, and, and it starts off with just, like, Arthur and friends loudly declaring of, like, you know, it's raining outside. They want to go outside and play and just, like, I'm bored. And... Here's an interesting question that I thought of, like, in the first few seconds of watching this video. Do you remember what being bored was like? I do. And it's so interesting that that's the first thing you asked me because I was about to ask you the almost the exact same question. Because I think this is a very time and place problem. Mm. Um, I remember being bored all the time oh, yeah? as a kid, even when it was nice outside. Because I had that hour of computer time and when it ran out, you had to find something else to do. Use your 
gosh darn imagination. I had a, I had a big time imagination when I was a kid, but I still did, you know, get bored. You had to make your own fun. It was either play outside or read something. And then, yeah, like you said, once your hour of computer time was up, then that was officially spent. You couldn't spend all day on TV because uh, your parents wouldn't let you. And But it's just interesting of like, well, nowadays, I, you know, I imagine it's got to be a lot harder for children, let alone people, to get bored. Well, that's what I wrote down. I said, from what I could tell from this opening... Like, this episode wouldn't exist these days because these kids would all be binge-watching something on Netflix, Netflix or something. Netflix, yeah. video games. Um, I don't know. They're on that Instagram <laughs> I, grind. I was going to say audiobooks, and I was like, well, no. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there seems like there's a lot of more stuff to keep them engaged these days. Like, the other day... Uh, like, I find I don't get bored. I just get overwhelmed with the options I have. It's like, <laughs> You're like a Portlandia sketch. Pretty much. It's just like I could watch a movie or read a comic book or play a video game. And I'm just like, I'd rather just lay down and do nothing. Which is entertaining in itself. It's also overstimulating. So if anything, it's the it's almost the opposite of being bored, which you you want to do nothing. But, you're, but for me, I'm anxious about not doing anything because it's just like I have all this time I should be doing something so it's almost the opposite problem yeah for me I feel like I haven't been truly bored in years because as someone who enjoys the arts Mm -hmm. there's always (laughs) something that I haven't seen that I could be seeing absolutely and I'm never going to see it all of course there's not enough time there was was time now but uh, uh, so I'm more worried that I don't have enough time in the day to do all the things I want to do that's right Uh, which is which is another Anxiety of mine, but uh, you know, like just just this afternoon, I I went to the library. I picked up some comics and a couple DVDs. I watched Jason X while I did the laundry. And Ooh, then, that's a good one. And then I, no, it's not. But and uh, then I played uh, three hours of Watch Dogs two. So dating this episode, 2017, holla at your boy. So everybody else is pretty darn bored, and the you know. Uh, Buster, Francine, and Brain are singing variations of Rain, Rain, Go Away because, of course, they would rather be playing outside. Uh, Francine doing It's Raining, It's Pouring, The Old Man is Snoring, cut to Oliver Frensky snoring loudly uh, on the couch. So, of course, and then and then we lead into the actual episode with both Arthur and D.W. saying, I'm bored. I'm like, way to start an episode, guys. <laughs> We're really, it's some Michael Bay, like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, no BuzzFeed intro for this one. It's <laughs> not even Arthur addressed, well, actually. You won't believe why these kids are bored. Because they were born in the 90s. Parents uh, hate them. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so Francine is in Mr. Rat. Well, everybody's in Mr. Ratburn's class, and he's about to give them homework. And then Francine raises her hand, and she really, like, like flails it around. She's like, Mr. Ratburn? Mr. Ratburn? Like, waving her hand everywhere. And, like, she's really trying to get his attention. Yeah, it, it, I think the joke is that, like, Mr. Rapper might be a little bit taken off guard because Francine doesn't raise her hand often in class. Sure. And she's extremely enthusiastic in this instance. To which she says, today's Friday. And I'm like, so? Like, her reasoning is that today's Friday, so you can't possibly assign homework due for tomorrow. And I'm like, sure he can. He can assign homework whenever he feels like it, man. You have weekend homework? Got that all the time. 
That's true. Even weekend projects, which is basically what this is. Mr. Ratburn assigns them a weekend essay, a report, excuse me, about what a short report about what they do on Saturday. Which it must be just as purely an English writing exercise because sure. I was trying to think about the academic value of that. Be- yeah, because it is it is it is cake. It is cake, 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 cake. Here's the icing on the cake. It's the fact that you have to write a short report about what you do tomorrow. You know, these days, I don't know if this is the same everywhere, but at least in the province in Canada we live in, teachers aren't able to grade. um, They're not able to judge kids' marks on their homework. Like your homework cannot impact your grade at all. Like you could get 100 in school and not hand in a single piece of what? homework for the year. Is that true? Yes, that's absolutely true. In elementary or uh, in high school? I don't oh, know about, yeah. I don't know about junior high and elementary, but I know for sure in high school, teachers are not able to grade your homework and have it affect your grade. I feel like that's kind of a sort of hack for kids who exist outside the system, like the watchdogs kids of high schools of like, yo, you don't actually have to do homework. They can't do anything about it. And it's like, yeah, but you do want to learn and get into good schools and stuff, which is where I'm coming from. But a lot of kids are just like, you can't touch me, man. You can't make me do homework. I'm like, well, you're technically right. It's true. They can't. But you can all, but the, I guess the point is that you could still actually get into good schools because it doesn't affect your grade. I, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, oh, these kids are so, you know, taken aback and upset about having to write this short report, double spaced, I bet. I bet that's about I, what they did on the weekend. <laughs> they could just not do it. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, the, the it's kind of magician secrets revealed of like now that people it's kind of not trade secret anymore that, you know, you don't have to hand in homework in a high school setting. Just like, yeah, now everybody knows. So it's even more of a joke. Cats out of the bag. Yeah. Speaking of jokes, we get one of my favorite, <laughs> uh, my favorite good, running gags. Good gravy. Uh, is we get to see what the other class gets assigned for the weekend. Man. Okay. So <laughs> we kind of have the running tally of characters we are not terribly fond of just yet. It's like there's Muffy because she hasn't really been developed yet. She's a main character, but she's getting there. We have Bitsy Baxter, who's like helicopter mom, but as I as I know, she does get better in other seasons. These kids in Mrs. Sweetwater's class, like they're <laughs> driving me up the wall, son. <laughs> I find it so funny. Because their homework, as if as if you know, write a short report about what you do tomorrow isn't, you know, a bird class enough. You go over to hers and it's like, your assignment for the weekend? Make sure you have loads of fun. And I'm just like, boo! Boo! (laughs) I wonder if that kid who couldn't think up a rhyme was like, how do I have fun? (laughs) Mrs. Fink! Yeah! (laughs) How do I have fun? (laughs) What's fun, Mrs. Fink? Yeah, Jesus. Uh, little gag here of uh, Buster asks about the report. Does that include eating? And Francine gets in a real zinger. She's like, didn't you hear? He said a short report. You eat all the time. You're fat. You eat a lot. That's the joke. Some body shaming, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. The three main characters, they leave, they leave the class, and uh, right away it's kind of uh, binky- takes an adversarial tone with them because they're kind of, this is an episode where they're intimidated by Binky rather than kind of being friends with them. So that'll kind of go back and forth. He's like, I need ideas for my report. What should I do tomorrow? Buster invites him out to the park and Francine and Arthur kind of give him the stink eye. And he's like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. If we go do the same thing, all reports will be the same. 
Biggie, not familiar with how prose can impact a story. Like, if Ernest Hemingway and Joseph Conrad hung out for a weekend and they both wrote about it, I have a feeling that it wouldn't be the exact same report. Binky uh, is unfamiliar with the concept of the authorial voice. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh... We hung out at the park. I guess, but you know what? We do actually hear the reports at the end of this episode. And Binky does have a point in the end. Which, ironically, they do end up being quite samey. Everybody is kind of just like... How do like what are we gonna write this report about? And just like we don't have to hang out with each other all day. And it's like already we're seeing the main conflict of this episode, <laughs> which is like way overthinking this easy project. And it's like as a kid, I'm sure I was like, yeah, how are you gonna do that? And it's like as an adult, it's we'll get into it a bit more, but it's like man. Is this hard to identify with? And it's like, go figure. It's a kid's show. But like seeing it 20 years later, just like, man, I can't I can't summon the will to care for you about this. One of those things where I have to empathize with other people's positions, though, because I remember and even in high school, people some certain types of people just have a lot of trouble with open-ended questions. Now, this isn't necessarily that. It's right it's about not, what happened your weekend. It's not. But even some people like I, I, I could see elementary school kids being like. Oh my goodness, like where do I start? Like there's got to be more to it than that. It's got to be like a trick. <laughs> so we go back to the Reed house and Arthur and DW are watching TV. We get a commercial for Sweet and Fishy, Good for Kids, Golden Delicious Honey Squids. Which is just written, it's just read by Francine. Like it's super obvious that it's just Francine's voice, <laughs> voice actress. Which is like, at first it seems like, okay, Honey Squids, it's like, you know, Honey Nut Cheerios or Gold Grams or something like that. But then DW and Arthur are just like, ugh. And I'm like, is it real squid or something? In the, the, the picture, it looks like it's a squid in a box. I was going to say, well, to me, it looked like, you know, just a uh, Golden Gram in the shape of a squid. So, like, I I don't know. I, I, I can't say. Maybe they do make it out of squid, which in which case, I, how, why would you put that in a cardboard box? That would rot so quickly. Uh, maybe Maybe it's squid flavored. Like those shrimp, but honey, shrimp honey, honey, honey squid. There you go. Now you understand why they were going because it was a mixture of the honey and the squid flavors. That's this is terrible. Like like, like those those shrimp chips you get from the Asian grocery store. I don't know what that is. Chips flavored like shrimp. Oh, sorry. You, I, I, sorry, I thought you said shrimp fish. No, uh, I, I might have. Like, uh, anyway, shrimp, I'm all I'm chips. all out of whack over yeah. these honey squids. Yeah, really. Uh, and a cute little. Aside, as the scene begins of Pal playing peekaboo with uh, Kate, I thought that was really adorable. Uh, so DW asks, uh, "What are they going to What are they going to do tomorrow?" And Arthur says, "We're not doing anything." <laughs> and so, and to which DW is like, "But you said you'd play with me." And he's like, "I have to do something interesting for the report. I'll play with you Sunday." So Arthur kind of maybe breaking a previous promise. We're not exactly sure if this is something Arthur maybe kind of said flippantly or if he like openly promised to play with DW on Saturday. This is when I started to understand the conceit of the episode a little bit more because originally I was like an episode about them being bored. That's like that's something I definitely can't empathize with because it's like I I'm never bored. But now I understand Arthur's putting sort of this own constraint on himself that he has to have an exciting day to write about. He's sort of He's added this extra layer to this his uh, uh, report that he has to go on some sort of adventure or something. So other people are impressed by his report. It's a lot like the um, 
the episode earlier where he had to write he had to write like a short story or about, something about pal and he was really anxious about it not being interesting enough for the class this is almost the exact same problem yeah now that you mention it it is the exact same problem like okay <sighs> I almost wish she hadn't said that, but yeah, classic anxious Arthur making a simple task, even the simplest of tasks, uh, complicated for himself. So DW's kind of mad about it, and then they cut to the next day when it is, of course, raining, and great read here from DW. She just kind of looks at him innocently and like, when are you going to the park, Arthur? <laughs> just like, you know, and it's just like, I can't, it's raining. So yes. this This episode... I have most of my notes for this episode are DW lines. I have a lot of those too, actually. And it's not just the writing, like the delivery mm-hmm. of both Arthur and DW. I think some of the best voice acting work we've had in Arthur so far in okay. terms of comedic timing and like the versatility with which they deliver like these sarcastic lines. It's hilarious. It Specifically, is. all the stuff DW says in this episode is comical. DW is on point in this episode. So uh, she busts out a couple board games for Arthur to play, and it's between Weasel Rally and Confuse the Goose. Now, Arthur isn't enthused about this because he calls them baby games, but to me, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot wrong with them. It just kind of looks like maybe, you know, maybe a Candyland age, but I don't know. Weasel Rally could have some promise to it. This is another thing that I think dates the episode a little bit, because these days people are all into board games again. Yeah, People love their Arkham Horrors and their <laughs> Ticket to Rides. They're yeah. Settlers of Catan, if you will. So I think this Carcassonne. was more this was more the era of your, your Snakes, M- Milton Bradley Snakes and Ladders, Hasbro, Sorry, Popomatic Trouble. Exactly. Where board games were sort of more Which, of a baby thing. Well, I don't, I disagree. It's, it's more of that it was a family thing. Sure. And because I played board games a lot when I was Arthur's age. I loved playing uh, Star Wars Monopoly, you know, but not, you know, the way. What was the most expensive planet? Yavin 4? Oh, uh, you know what? It was probably Coruscant. It was. It It was. There were two Coruscants that were the uh, most expensive. The least expensive was Dagobah. Oh, you'd think it'd be. Oh, yeah. You know what? That makes sense. Yoda's Hut and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Yeah. Star Wars Monopoly. uh, uh, Snakes and Ladders was another big one. Popmatic Trouble, like I said. Battleship was a lot of fun. You're right. There were um, an abundance of board games that were directly related for younger kids. Candyland. Like, Man, that game sucks. Candyland. Candyland is straight Garbo. <laughs> Complete chance. Straight, Candy, straight Greta Garbo. Yeah, Candyland has like the least player interaction of any board game ever. You could like play Candyland with a bunch of random number generators. It's I haven't the worst. I haven't played Candyland since I was a kid, and even then, only a couple times because like there were other, like there were a lot of them were kind of just toys because they had like mechanisms like mouse trap. Yeah, Mousetrap's more fun to, like, set up and oh, yeah. just play with than actually play the Mousetrap game. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I did all the time. Uh, Grape Escape, Frady Cats was another one, uh, all that kind of stuff. But I loved those because they were uh, uh, pop uh, perfection, perfection, another one oh, yeah. that I had. Uh, and anyways, like, I would see them all the time Then like, the Sears Wish Book. And, like, look at all these board games. These look awesome. And because they were essentially big toys. But – all the same, like I was still into them at Arthur's age. I didn't really think of them as baby games. And uh, Weasel Rally kind of looks like a stand, a standard board game. Confuse the Goose is kind of one of those toy-based ones where it's like the rotating goose head, and you have to kind of kind of hungry hippos ass a little bit. Yeah, you have to like get the thing into the goose's mouth. So Arthur chooses Confuse the Goose to play, and then it cut one of many cuts away to 
uh, mom and dad, they're in the dining room kind of doing taxes or like what, like expenditure reports, that kind of thing. And you can just hear from the other room, like DW and Arthur arguing with each other. And then they burst into the room uh, while mom and dad are trying to get their work done. And DW says, Arthur's ruining the game. He's not playing right. And this is where I... I so felt for mom and dad here because, like, if my kids have this problem, like, I'm not going to have a lot of patience for them. Because she says, he's not playing right, which Arthur's like, I am so. I, I roll the dice. I move around the board. Or, sorry, I said earlier they were playing Confused Goose. They actually start off playing Weasel Rally. So he's like, I roll the dice and move around the board. And DW says, but you're supposed to be having fun. And I'm, like, clawing at my eyes being like, he's playing the game. He's not like fun isn't part of this like fun isn't a necessary part of this equation he is doing his job to the letter you can't harass him for not having fun conversely though it, you don't want to be playing with a sour puss will a I, negative nancy <coughs> oh i bought another property but you know what but you know it's not going to make them you know it's not going to make them have more fun tattling on them to your mom and dad that they're not having fun it's just such a white person problem fun's Uh, mandatory will uh, not having fun is a thought crime so it's just like arthur and dw they're 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 the points that they're sticking with to with each other are just very frustrating to me uh being closer to mom and dad's position than i am to them uh so then you know arthur kind of pleads his case to uh mom and dad just like I can't. I can't uh, write a report about confuse the goose. Everybody will laugh at me. I'm like, I, I don't think so. But you know what? Whatever. You invent these problems in your head, little lion man. Arthur's dad says, "Why don't you read a book to DW?" And to which Arthur translates it as, "Mom and Dad say I don't have to play that, but I'll read to you." And I'm like, "That's not what they said." Also, uh, at some point, like Arthur's kind of on the phone to Francine and Buster, who are trying to think of what they want to do. Francine kind of decides she'll practice the drums, and Buster's kind of hanging out watching TV, eating some celery. He's watching wrestling. Oh yes, he's on watching TV. That's right. Uh, he is watching wrestling, which is a big part of the episode, actually. Which is funny. I wonder. Um, it's Royal Rumble season in real life. <laughs> I'd like to think it's Royal Rumble season in Arthur world as well. Well, um, he would be watching either. Uh, no, I was going to say he'd be watching WCW Saturday night, but it's Saturday morning, so it would be. Uh, uh, I think did the WWF have a Saturday morning program in like '96? I feel like maybe main they event, did. maybe Saturday morning main event. I don't remember. I th- you know what I'm thinking of? It's Saturday morning Slam, which Saturday was the kids show that was on a few years ago. Mm. Uh, I, I feel like there there is probably some wrestling that you could find on Saturday morning somewhere. Maybe they still, maybe they. <laughs> If this was the 80s, they could find their NWA affiliates. That's right, Jim Crockett Promotions. But which one would it be? Oh, we still don't know. That's right, we don't know. Which territory would Hopefully they be part they'd of? Hopefully, they get Memphis. Ooh, <laughs> I, I, I doubt it. I don't think. No, I, I don't <laughs> think it's in Tennessee. But uh, yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so you know, Buster says maybe it will, maybe the rain will let up, and then it cuts to a weather report. <laughs> oh, this is hilarious! And this was this was unbelievable. Is what this was. <laughs> The the weather the weatherman says this system is very similar to a monsoon during which it rains nonstop for an entire month and I'm like what state in the U S of A gets monsoon weather? I don't know. A state, are we ta- are we a talking, state that takes place in the Book of are, Revelation? Are we, ta- are we talking Seattle here? Yeah, maybe or, or like India? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It's either Seattle or India. It's, it's, it's one or the other. Uh, so DW very impatiently wanting Arthur to read to her. Buster Buster says, um, yes. so Arthur's kind of distraught upon hearing that it's going to rain for a week. And Buster, not too upset about the whole thing. He he. The advice he offers to Arthur is very similar to what I would do yes. had I been in this scenario. Arthur uh, Buster says, wait out the rain, watch wrestling all day. That's right. Which is solid advice for any occasion. Even when it's sunny, watch wrestling all day. Absolutely. Yeah, I was getting a little ahead of myself there. Um, DW's got this great line where she's like, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. No, she's clearing her throat. She's not going, mm-hmm. Well, it's like a, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the comical part about it is that she does it like three times in a row. Like, no one's throat could be that clogged. It's just, no, just she's, for a th- no, effect. Yeah. So he goes to read her like the three bears or something. Uh, she does have another good line of just like, uh, it'd be so hard <laughs> to play one game of Confuse the Goose with your adorable sister. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but you're at fault too. Like, you're just gonna you're just gonna be crappy when he's not having fun. So th- this is an impasse. We're at an impasse here. We're just gonna keep running into problems. So Arthur start, starts reading, and he's not enthused. You know, once upon a time, and then DW, he's just like, let me guess, lived happily ever after, right? And Arthur just skips the end of the book. He's like. Right. And then DW is like, boring. She goes, I knew it. Boring. Sort of the metaphorical cane to pull Arthur off the stage. Yeah, really? She's done with this story. So cut again to uh, mom writing a check in the dining room. And then all of a sudden there's like this big rumble. And then Arthur is chasing DW with a book. And he's keeping it open like a monster's mouth, like a gaping maw. Like just chasing, Pac-Man. Yeah, just chasing her around the dinner table. His pal starts barking. Kate's crying again. And then dad finally has enough and he just yells, everybody freeze. Again, another great delivery from Arthur's dad. You really get the frustration and anger from that line. Right. And then everybody does indeed like stop. Even pal just kind of like <laughs> stops dead and... I like how he chides Arthur. He's just like, is that any way to treat a book? And it's like, that was the first thing that he thought of thinking. They are the Reed family. It's true. Uh, so then mom suggests, why don't they draw? So they go back in and draw are drawing on notepads in the living right room. Right before that, uh, DW, while they're frozen, DW yeah. goes, Arthur's trying to bite my nose. Yeah, through gritted teeth because she's, yeah. she's frozen. So... So they they're they're both so bored. They're just like, "What did you draw?" <laughs> this part's so funny. And Arthur says, "A dog," and he's bored. <laughs> and then DW, another great line here is like, "It's like, what did you draw? A stick?" Or just like a stick? And then she and then she delivers it like this, and it's maybe my favorite line. Yeah, in the whole same here. Like, Best line of the episode: like, "A stick from the park where you promised to take me today." It, it's so weird. It's almost undw like. Like she, it sounds like, like an adult woman like, yeah, like freaking out. Yeah, like she runs out of breath near the end because <laughs> she's like putting every ounce of force behind that. I'd love to see the behind the scene like footage of them recording these lines. Sure, that'd be great. Uh, and then of course it devolves into did to did notary. And it's and then finally, uh, Dad gets the brain blast to use Jimmy Neutron parlance and decides to just 
kick them out. <laughs> but of course, he sends them off to Grandma Thor's house, gives them like rain jackets, and then I did get quite a bit of satisfaction of just like get those kids out of here and get it all done. Like just pawn them off on Grandma and just be on with your day. Well, and I think that was the intended effect too, because during this whole sequence, we keep cutting back to the parents' perspective, yeah. and I think that's the writers trying to get us to sign a kind of see the situation through the parent shoes. Isn't this ridiculous? Yeah. Uh, so uh, they're on the step after dad closes the door. And two things I noted here. The first one was DW's line, obviously. it's She says, it's raining. <laughs> we'll die out here. <laughs> Which is actually something I said a couple of times when I was a kid, like not fully understanding it. Also, when she says we'll die out here, I've always noticed this. Arthur makes this weird face where, like, his eyeballs go in different directions, and he goes, like, like in anger. It looks super weird. I'll screen cap it and put it on the uh, social media this week. I'll have uh, to see that. I yeah, missed that. No, it's weird. It's, it's really strange. Uh, so they're walking to Grandma's house, uh, who apparently doesn't live very far. I, I noted here that as they get to Grandma Thora's door, like, Arthur... It's harder for me to kind of have sympathy for kind of both of them, but especially Arthur in this episode, because it's like he's whining a lot. That's why I kind of felt for DW in the earlier segments as unreasonable as she was being in terms of Arthur being, quote unquote, fun or not. Yeah. Uh, It's just he's bringing the whole mood down by being a spoil sport. He really is. If he's going to be bored, you're all going to hear about it. Yeah, he's literally like, oh, great. I get to write a report about going to my grandma's. I went to my grandma's. She's nice. The (laughs) end. (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. Again, like the delivery is what really sells that line. The the disaffected, if that's a word, tone of Arthur being like, oh, wow. Like, there's something a little special about it. Some of that 90s sarcasm. I don't know. It was it was kind of getting on my nerves. Uh, Grandma Thor welcomes him in, and she uses a line that I use to this day. It's a, it's a good, good one to keep in your back pocket for a rainy day. She says, this is only good weather for ducks. And then, of course, a duck family is out biking in this in this weather. One of the ducks turns back and says, "Beautiful weather, huh?" <laughs> it's in, Bust, great. in Buster's voice, <laughs> like in that. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, so <laughs> they come in, and I like this. Grandma almost dro- spills the beans that like uh, Dad begged that begged her to take them. Just like when your father begged me to, when I decided to invite <laughs> you over, and she says you can help me. And then Arthur interrupts her, like help you watch TV, and I'm like. What did you think was going to be the answer to that one, huh, champ? Also, buddy, you had a TV at the house you were at. <laughs> like, you could have been watching TV if that's what you wanted to do. For sure. You're reaching, You're reaching, Reed. Uh, and just like, no, help me clean out the attic. And then they at first they're just like, oh, it's boring. But then they start to get a look at all of Grandma's old stuff. And that's where they kind of uh, find a little bit of uh, fun and interest. So a couple things they dig up. DW has this huge red wig, this red-haired wig that is almost as big as her that she tries on. Uh, Arthur finds a baseball bobblehead that belonged to his dad. Which is so cool. Yeah. That's so, I would be so stoked to find like a vintage bobblehead. That's right. It would be like Cal Ripken Sr. or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, they find Arthur's dad's old pair of bell bottom pants. 
which DW calls a dress with legs, and I'm like, no, dude, it's it's it's, it's pants. Yeah, you, they didn't find pay- a pair of Jinkos. You know, <laughs> if, she, if they found, oh, here, if this episode was taking place today, yeah, it's, and then if they were finding Arthur's stash from yeah. when he was a kid. It what would are be these? Arthur's, oh, they're Jinkos. They're Jinkos. And here's his hatchet necklace and a wallet chain and his wallet chain. <laughs> yeah, all his ICP records and <laughs> oh, what's this? It's an unopened bottle of Fago. <laughs> it's Lincoln Park's hybrid theory. Ooh. Um, and then uh, Grandma Thora shows them a bit of old movies on the old reel-to-reel. The old 8 millimeter. That's right. Sans Nicolas Cage. So it's some of Grandma Thora's home movies uh, taking shots of what they identify as Wonder World. But, of course, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of today because uh, stuff hadn't been built yet. I think there's even a continuity error here. Because Arthur asks, well, where's the Hurla world? Yes. And I don't know this for sure, but I thought that in the episode which the Hurla world was featured, like Arthur heard about the announcement of its opening. It's, it, it's called the all new Hurla world. Oh, so it was renovated. Because I was thinking that. I don't know, like, but I think it, no, all new as in it's never, they just built it. Oh, so in this case, Arthur's being a moron. Yes. Because of course the Hurla world's not there. You remember when it was open, my dude. You, you clawed. You know, it's <laughs> just like, yeah, I, little sympathy for Arthur in this one. Uh, what I thought was interesting was that the Sugar Bowl has been standing since the 19. 19- 40s 1950s maybe 50s okay for a long time it's been a, it's a staple of Elwood City uh, so Arthur is is uh, captivated by these home movies and uh, then we cut to Monday when everybody's reading their report and uh, turns out everybody stayed in to watch wrestling on Saturday which is awesome well, like, everybody's kind of really bored because everybody's report's the same. They it's also, like, I stay inside and I watch wrestling. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Rappern is, like, visibly upset. Like, he's, like, almost falling asleep himself. And you know well, it takes a yeah, lot to take him yeah, to fall asleep. Yeah, everybody's yawning. Uh, and, and, but me personally, I would love to hear what a bunch of kids thought about wrestling. Sure, that'd be great. If they went into depth. What did you think of the angles, kids? Right. What did you think, what did you think of... Uh, it's like, what, what do you think is ha- going to happen if the NWO takes over WCW? I guess that would be the angles of the time. No, I, well, okay, so like... What year is this? L- 1990? This is, mi- this is mid to late 96. So the NWO might have just been starting to happen. So this is like... Maybe even the... I, ho- I hope... Ho- maybe even Hogan and the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, this is, I hope Hogan beats the Dungeon of Doom. And boy, do I sure hate that Shawn Michaels character. I hope Razor Ramon beats him. No, not even Razor Ramon because he would have been getting ready to – or in, it would have been like, oh, Shawn, Shawn Michaels, he's like the good guy. This, oh, would, have been like, like, this, I, would, have, this would have been like boyhood oh, dreams. this is Shawn like Michaels. I hate Diesel. Or like – uh, it's like, boy, that Sid Vicious is real scary. That's yeah, okay, yeah, something like that. Uh, you know what? When we get it, we get a little corner shot of the wrestling in this episode. It's kind of like a Arthurified Sid Vicious. Yeah. I am the master and ruler of the world, Goldring. <laughs> God, I love Sid Vicious, but not not now. Uh, I must say, like Mr. Ratburn's falling asleep. I'm just gonna say, negative props to you, dude. You thought of this crummy assignment. I'm sure he didn't count. He should have checked the weather, first of all. And I'm sure he didn't count. Like, <laughs> kids could have at least been like, I went to the park. I did this. Mm. But uh, it's he's kind of sleeping in the bed that he made. Yes. So, finally, Arthur's report is that 
you know, on Saturday I went to my grandma's and everybody's like, ugh. But then he brings in Grandma Thora, who brings in the real to real. Which and, is cheating, uh, by the way. This is cheating. Oh, You're supposed to have written a report. You can't just bring like a presenter who also has like live props, like footage to show. Of course his like report's gonna be more entertaining. Everybody else followed the instructions. I think at the, I think at this point Ratburn's just praying for somebody to go off book. That's true. Which they do, or off the script. Uh so Grandma Thora has more old movies of Elwood City. Arthur is dressed in his dad's old clothes, including the bell bottoms. And uh, he says, you know, comic books used to cost 25 cents a quarter. And everybody thinks that's awesome. And then we cut to uh, what looks to be like maybe Elwood City High uh, from when his dad was younger. And we get a shot of a couple of younger versions of characters, including a young Lucas Mancini. Or, excuse me, <laughs> a young Mr. Haney. I kind of see the resemblance. Yeah, uh, Mr. Haney's glasses are more rounded. But I did kind of see a, uh, a – and not in the sense of, he, you know, he got hit with a football. It's like I wouldn't necessarily expect that of you. But you did kind of have the same uh, wide-eyed look on your face. <laughs> so. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. It is. It's meant, to, it's meant to be. All the, This is why I think it's the 50s is all this footage we see is very Animal House. In terms of like the outfits <laughs> and just everybody's Arthur's mannerisms. Dad smashing a guitar against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it, man. Mr. Rapburn would be, uh, what's that guy's name? Doomsday? D Day. D Day. <laughs> Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, Mr. Ratburn. That's right. It's Mr. Haney's sixth year of college. Uh, <laughs> so is Mr. Haney the Bluto of this all, whatever his name is? Uh, I, I, maybe. I, I, haven't, I, I haven't seen uh, Animal House. Oh, what? Well, that's a podcast for another time. But trust me when I say this is all very, all this imagery is very Animal House. For sure. Um, and then finally we get a shot of Mr. Ratburn doing a uh, get, making a touchdown and then doing a total showboat maneuver. Right. Mr. Ratburn channeling his inner Richard Sherman. Right. Uh, he's, I was hoping you would have somebody. Yeah. Very, very showboating. They wouldn't allow that now in the No Fun League. It's it's uh, Nigel Boogie Ratburn Cousins over here. That's <laughs> oh, a, man. That, that's, that's, that's as good as I can do it. Uh, and to which Mr. Rapburn's a little embarrassed. And then the episode kind of just ends there. Then we go into, and now a word from us kids. Often the first thing I notice about Word From Us Kids is the music. Yes. I don't know why, but I it seems like they use a different music library for Word From Us Kids than they do for the actual Arthur episodes. Mm. So it always sort of pops bit, to me. A little bit more production music. Because it sounds so different. This uh, one, this one's a little bit of a little bit of a salsa flavor. Well, it also kicks out it's like salsa and like some steel drums, but at the start, to simulate boredom, it's like a chopped and screwed <laughs> salsa remix. <laughs> like if DJ Screw got his hands on some scissor and he's like I'm going to slow this salsa way down <laughs> to show, man, look how boring this is. Right. So it's they're all talking about what kids do when they're bored in kind of a kid's classroom. And I got to say, the girl that they got to narrate this segment, I loved her. I thought she was very, very good. And so she, has this, she has this bit at the beginning, and I wrote this down. She's like, like... Hi, my name is Waleska Sandita Santana Prevent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> she, nice. she has a very MTV Cribs energy to her. For someone who's supposed to be introducing, I guess she's introducing all these ways to entertain yourself. Yeah. But the way she goes around the classroom, it is very MTV kids like, come on in. I'll show you. Yeah. Here's the bedroom. This is where the magic happens. So she's like, oh, here's where we play with blocks. And here's where we use the computer. Yeah. So she's talking about like stuff like using a computer. Uh, remember playing with blocks? Remember uh, when we did that? Oh, yeah. We had, there was... 
some it got political in my elementary class of when people were making things with the connects and people would argue and choose sides over who was the best at building with the connects who could make a who could make the coolest gun out of connector exactly blocks. it was very much who could make the coolest gun and i remember there was there was divisiveness among the classroom i was on the losing side there was this other kid who made a way better one but my friends stuck with me that's loyalty or remember to this today the, <laughs> the best one was when you got to uh, when when you got to do math exercises with the blocks and then make guns with them. <laughs> those, were, those were the days, my man. And of course, just playing with blocks in general, that was always great. I always liked making towers of blocks that I could uh, crash my cars into and knock over, just like they would do in the uh, action figure commercial. Just like, here's the new Batmobile. Here's a convenient stack of blocks that we put Mr. Freeze on top of. And there's a Batmobile into those blocks. That's great. Like I said, uh, this girl is is awesome. Like she has a couple of things where she's like, it's like these two are playing. These two are uh, like, and excuse me for interpreting interpreting the accent, but it is part of the charm. It's just like these two are playing chess. Chess is a beautiful game, and it's just like I don't know how to play chess though. And then just like uh, like these two are reading it is a beautiful activity, and I'm like, is it like is a is a beautiful thing? And I'm like, that's so, it's so endearing. I like to think that she wasn't prompted by the producers or anything. No, like, no, this, I. This, all just no, like I they think th- pointed a camera at her and they were like, all right, go. No, I think this girl is a real entertainer. And I think that's what really makes it a lot better than some other uh, uh, kids segments. And I thought I, I, I enjoyed this one. I thought it was real cute. And now, back to OK, getting into the second episode, which once again follows the theme of Grandma Thora. This one is actually a lot more Thora based than, than the first one. It's the half the half baked sale, not Arthur and the half baked sale. Nope. It's just uh, it's just the half-baked sale. Arthur kind of starts this talking to the camera and talking about the ways in which is in which Grandma Thora is great. And sort of a compliment sandwich. Yes. Uh, as, as, as you've started to adopt at work, I'm to understand. Yeah. Uh, so one of the ways that she's awesome is that uh, Arthur's kind of relating an episode of Bionic Bunny to his parents and his grandma on the beach. And he's like... It's like, and then it's like the evil Dr. Warthog comes in and his dad's like, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Who's Dr. Warthog? And then Grandma Thor is like, he's part of the rat gang, David. Get with the program. And so By she, the way, is that so a she's huge like, revelation? Is, is this the first time we figure out Arthur's dad's name is David? David Reed? Maybe. It, it, it could be. Uh, I am not 100% certain on that one. But it's just like... Yeah, so so Arthur's dad is named Dave, and uh, or David as as she calls him, and but she, Grandma Thor has been listening. She's into the story, and wouldn't uh, want to watch a movie with Arthur's dad. He strikes me as the type who's like, who is that? What? Why, why do you, why do they kill that guy? Why why do they kill that guy? I, 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 can't. I thought he was on their side. I don't, who is that? Yeah, I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> she also fills in uh, in Arthur's life when necessary. She uh, fills in for them for an umpire one time uh, for one of their little league games. Uh so, you know, all in all, she's great. There's just one thing that she's not so good at. And then uh, Grandma Thora, so they're in the garage for this one. They're, like, stacking boxes or something. And Grandma Thora comes in with a plate of cookies, and W and Arthur make tracks. So it's to imply that Grandma Thora is not a good cook. Which, right off the bat, is ironic, considering her son's profession. Though we get to, we actually get to see some of the backstory of why that yeah. is a little bit later, which... If you think about like where Arthur's dad's character goes in the greater series, yeah. how he is this chef. Yeah. He's sort of this 
this. He's a uh, he's a perfectionist. He's a prodigy when it comes to the baked goods. Yeah, uh, he knows a lo- he knows a lot. The circumstances which forced him to be that are pretty funny. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, so it starts off with Grandma Thor is going to be staying at Arthur's house to take care of him, D.W. and Kate because uh, Mom and Dad are going to visit Mom's father, who is uh, not well. Who I, th- I believe that would be Grandpa Dave. So she's going to go. Visit, they're going to go visit Grandpa Dave, and so Grandma Thor is just like, "Yeah, I'm on top of it." You know, got the number of the family doctor, and I know the name, and then just like, uh, it's like, and tonight I'm going to cook, cook you kids something really special, and then everybody freezes, like in places, <laughs> like as they're helping, like Dad put a suitcase in the car, they just go, mm, like petrified, and then Dad's immediately just like, uh, "Mom, I just left you some money so you could order in." And then Grandma Thora brushes them off. She's she's just like, I know you don't think of much of my cooking, but that's only because you're a professional. So she disregards uh, David's opinion because he's a professional. Though props to him up to this point, this whole episode, spoilers, this whole episode sort of is about people not being honest to Grandma Thora yeah. to save her feelings about her bad cooking. Yes. And right off the bat, we know that um, David has told her many times she just doesn't believe him. So props to him for his honesty. Yeah, I think at some point in their familial relationship, it would have come up at, at, in some form or another. So we cut to Thora in the kitchen. She's making something and making a giant mess of things. Uh, Arthur and DW kind of spying on her, and Arthur says, "I think she's, I think she's making something out of what I used to make my topographical map of Mexico, <laughs> which is like edible question mark." And so they're really not looking forward to uh, what grandma could make them uh, because apparently her chicken soup is rotten as well if they pretend to be sick. There's also a cutaway of uh, Grandma Thora cooking stuff for Arthur's uncle, the uh, the guy from the family vacation that uh, you and I both loved. Yes, he doesn't have any lines, but we do get to check back in with him. So it's when Grandma Thora made pecan pie and forgot to unshell the pecans, so he nearly chokes. Nearly chokes or nearly chips a tooth like it's dangerous all around. Yeah, like Arthur's uncle returns and nearly dies. Flashbacks to nickels in the brownies. Uh, so, like you said, this episode is kind of based around the fact that nobody wants to tell Grandma Thora to her face. Now, normally this would be something that I'd be kind of like, just tell her already. Like, you know, for kids their age and for such, for a topic that's a little bit sensitive, maybe, you know, tied a bit to Grandma Thora's pride, I'm willing to un- to meet this halfway a little bit more because I understand that they want to save her feelings and there's no real good way to tell someone like that especially from a young kid to a grandparent that their cooking isn't good I feel like that would be like if I'm just thinking if I if my grandkids told me that uh, my cooking wasn't any good and like then I had them for like the next couple of days or the next week or something I would feel really insecure well it's also like when you're cooking for someone, you're doing them a huge favor. Yeah. And so a lot of times, even like I remember when I used to be at a friend's house, and this is different, obviously, because it's not family. But if you don't like the cooking, you shouldn't say anything. That's extremely rude. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, if this was a real life situation, I don't know if I would tell the the grandparent either, because like what kind of bratty kids like, oh, this like sucks. You yeah. know what I mean? Of course, there's a way to let someone down easier than that. Yeah. Uh, in the kids defense, though, they try throughout this episode. A lot of times the circumstance is what prevents them yeah. from actually telling. They, they, they start to screw up the courage and then something kind of messes up. Uh, so to start with uh, grandma's less than questionable cooking taste. So she makes him for dinner what I interpreted as 
toast with amoeba splotches and blood or something? I think it's French toast. Really? That's that's my best that guess. That sucks. Even as a kid, I thought that's what that was supposed to be. It was oh. like a real, real rough French toast. Because earlier... Looks like it went bad. Because earlier she's like batting eggs and stuff, uh, right? Oh, yeah. And no wonder it looks like that, though, because she puts the shells... She puts the eggs themselves in the sink, and she puts the shelves in the, like, yeah, acci- whatever she's and making. And accidentally, like, peppers or coffee or something. Yeah. Like, ugh. It, lo- it looks... Malformed. It's green French toast, yeah, but that, I'm, I'm almost certain that's what it is. That's what I've always thought. Right. Uh, so Arthur decides to try a bite of it. DW says, Arthur, you're the bravest big brother ever. <laughs> he doesn't seem to die, but he doesn't seem to like it. And so DW's plan is to try and feed it to Pal. And not only that, but she's exchanging it for honest-to-God dog food. Well, right before she does that, though, DW actually talks about a strategy that I've incorporated oh, since uh, this spread moment. Spread it around your plate so it looks like you ate some? I've, I learned this from Arthur. <laughs> I use this maybe on a semi-weekly basis. <laughs> spread it around your plate to make it look like you ate some is something I do at restaurants when I'm too full. Something I do. <laughs> it is my go-to courtesy. I don't want to eat this thing. Cut it up and spread the pieces around. And I learned it from Arthur. It's one of the great lessons I've learned from this show. And I use it like you would be floored by how often I incorporate this technique. Uh, so I, you know, no real follow up on whether they were able to pawn the supper off on whoever, on whoever if they had to just stomach it. Uh, they're watching TV and Grandma Thora says, who'd like pudding? And they're both they both at the same time go. Uh, <laughs> it's great. Uh, and she and this is where Grandma Thor is talking about how uh, the big kind of wraparound of this episode is that uh, she's helping to put together a bake sale uh, for that will be held at the school and with a couple of her like is it uh, is it P- not PTA but uh, I think she does say PTA, which oh, P- is a little PTA. strange because she's not a parent. But anyway, whatever. Uh, like maybe her a couple of her friends are in the PTA and she wants to help them. So the pudding I noted is like the consistency of chili. It is. <laughs> it is like uh, like she scoops it out and it's all like crumbly. And we're talking about chocolate pudding here. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, I, gonna, I, say, I was I just going to say, I could see some sort of hipster restaurant be like, here's our dessert chili. But and, when you're saying it's pudding, it's not, that's, there's no way that could be like, it looks like It looks like that kind of salsa that is less pureed than the kind you buy in stores. Like the kind you would get at a hipster restaurant that is kind of more like tomato chunks and stuff. Ho- homemade guac? Yeah. Ugh. Oh, come on. Homemade guac's dope. But no, pudding, no, no, not I'm, so no, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm saying about the pudding. Yeah. Um, uh, and Grandma Thora says, just scrape off the burnt bits and this will be just right. Like, we're really dealing with a severe lack of cooking skills. The big reveal there is not only that Grandma Thora is going to be doing the bake sale, but she's going to be baking for the bake sale. And which Arthur are, does this incredible double take. She, because he's like, you're going to cook for other people. <laughs> it, it's Arthur's, Arthur's best line of these two episodes, I think. It's, yeah, it is pretty good. And so he's kind of confiding to Buster about this, and he says, all you need is the right sales pitch. So there, he has a couple of suggestions for what they can do with Grandma Thor's food. Uh, exercise, and it cuts to a uh, some bodybuilder guy lifting up a what must be a very brick-like piece, like baguette of bread. As he kind of falls over because it's so heavy. Or Buster suggests you can put it all together and make 
make it mush it into clay and make a statue that'll last forever. So it's a cutaway where they make this this uh, dog statue out of what seems to be kind of like dessert or maybe cheeses or something, and then it flash forwards to like. 200 years in the future and a descendant of Mr. Haney. We can only assume Mr. Haney's great, great, great <laughs> grandson. And uh, like ha- like Haney Jr. or Haney the Fourth is walking a uh, uh, a robo dog. And Very back to the future too. And you know, <laughs> with the lack of foresight that I can only attribute to someone of the Haney bloodline uh, <laughs> takes a chunk out of the dessert statue eats it and then spits it out and I'm like that's not exactly a reflection on Grandma Thor's cooking it's over it's hundreds of years <laughs> old my dude what I'll say about this whole bit is that <laughs> we've often hypothesized on what Buster will be like in the future yes what he's going to be like in college what he's going to be like a grown-up and I never realized but Buster's got the mind for marketing man like that's that's that dude's future I, I, what a genius idea. Who says you have to tell people it's food? That's right. That's thinking outside the box. That's true. And he just kind of needs to refine that a little bit because I don't think these these uh, ideas are necessarily terribly great, but they are more than Arthur has. And then, of course, his final thing is as he's kind of struggling with his locker to put things back in there, like the, the huge amount of stuff that he has in his locker, uh, he just says, you might, you, you're just going to have to tell her the truth. Uh, which Arthur is not exactly relishing doing. So he's shopping for uh, baking ingredients. Arthur is with Grandma Thora, and she tosses him a tomato. And she says, can't make cookies without breaking a few tomatoes. And I'm like, how do you even get there? How do you even break a tomato? <laughs> Great. There's, there's multiple questions this poses. Like just crack a tomato like an egg or something? Oh, my goodness. But like, yeah, but it just, who... Whoever, where did you get this idea? Like, are you like hope- now? If you make the logical leap that you're one of those people that don't mind fruit and cookies, okay? And listen, <sighs> I know they're a rare breed, but will they exist? Sure. So let's let's play pretend. Stress those those imagination muscles. Probably the same people who like peak friends. So uh, I like peak friends, but I digress. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we're the kind of people that like fruit in our cookies, okay? Okay. Tomatoes technically a fruit. Oh my. Just, it's technically a fruit. We're not just dealing with like not being able to cook here. We're dealing with like food illiteracy. With it's grandma. true. It's like if, if you showed an alien all the food in the world and you told them to make something. Right. It's just like I don't under. It's almost like you take Grandma Thora's mental health into the equation. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, where did this even come from? There's no cookbook that's going to tell you to put tomatoes into this concoction. So are you just you know? Throwing it at the wall, seeing what sticks. In some cases, literally. Like she's saying tomatoes. I'm just like, is she trying to say eggs? Is that what she's trying to work out? Like, what's happening here? Is she all right? Uh, Then we get an appearance uh, in this episode from Mrs. McGrady, who uh, we find out his name is Sarah McGrady. Uh, because uh, Grandma Thora addresses her as Sarah. They're both uh, good friends with each other. Uh, Mrs. McGrady's Boston accent isn't uh, very pronounced, so maybe that was kind of a cutting room floor type of thing. Maybe didn't test well with kids or something. I don't know. I did notice that too, though, that it's kind of – she doesn't really have as strong as an accent anymore. Yeah. So they kind of take the groceries home. Uh, Mrs. McGrady briefly offers to uh, help Thora 
uh, bake. To which and Arthur jumps at it first. So these, this is where the kids are about to tell her. Like, they're getting ready to tell her about the cooking. Yeah. It's after the tomatoes r- line. They're as alarmed as we are. And Arthur's getting ready to tell her. And then Mrs. McGrady shows up, interrupts him. Yes, exactly. Uh, so Grandma Thor politely declines Mrs. McGrady's help. Uh, and then when she takes the groceries in... She said, uh, you know, cooking runs in our family. In fact, your father started cooking when he was your age, Arthur. And the DW kind of gets a bit of a side eye, and she's like, I believe it. That's where we figure it out. That's why Arthur's dad's such a good cook. Because he had to learn necessity. He had to learn from an early age. <laughs> so then DW offers an alternate plan to telling Grandma Thor the truth. They have to change their names and move away so that they can deny anything to do with this. Uh, to which DW puts her blanket over her head like a shawl and says, from now on, I will be Mrs. Ida B. Forkenstern. So she's willing to pose as an old woman in some in some state on the other side of the country in order to get out of this. Either that other side of the country, the whole get up, the whole joke is like some vaguely European, like Eastern block (laughs) accent and look that DW... Ida B. Forkenstern. Yeah, it's like whenever SNL tries to make fun of someone from that sort of Eastern Bloc, like the Ukraine, like, oh, I'm from the Ukraine, and they always kind of have the shawl over their head that way. Uh, That's what I got from this. Fred Armisen doing an old Russian babushka. Yeah, exactly. Um, So then Arthur gets an idea that they will enact at the bake sale. So then the day of the bake sale comes, and DW susses the plan out of Arthur. He he has dug up the birthday money Grandpa Dave sent him, which he flashes a $10 bill. And he said it should be just enough to buy all of the things that Grandma Thora made, specifically the cookies. Um, and to which DW says, Arthur, you can't eat all these. You're too young to die. <laughs> I'm like, man, this is, might as well be. This is like kid arsenic. So what Arthur's intending to do is to buy out Grandma Thora's inventory to get it out of the bake sale and then to hide them somewhere. So his first idea is to hide them in his locker. And I realize this whole situation exists because the episode needed conflict to happen. Yeah. In real life, you would. Th- I just want to make it clear that w- this came up. In real life, you would just throw out the cookies. You just put them in the trash. Yeah, because these are not going to be any good to anybody. But if, but maybe thinking to cover his tracks, he doesn't want Grandma Thor to notice them in a in an errant trash bin. Uh, so, but unfortunately, um, Grandma Thor is right next to Arthur's locker with Mister Morris, the janitor, who makes another appearance because one of the uh, one of the signs for the bake sale blew down and uh, the grommets are torn out. Another thing I learned from this episode: what grommets are? What grommets are? Much like the uh, thing at the end of your shoelace, it's one of those words you don't hear that often. Yeah, or like finding out that the th- that like the things that clip onto your backpack are carabiners. Oh, I, I didn't know that for a long time. A rock climber like me, will that's what they teach you day one when I go bouldering. <laughs> don't even need the carabiners; just do a bold, blind face or whatever. That's right. All I need is some chalk and my wits. You're like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Two. Or like uh, Sylvester Stallone in Cliffhanger. Sure. Uh, so then Arthur decides to hide them in the janitor's closet since he can't get to his locker. So Mr. Morris, unfortunately, has to go to the janitor's closet to uh, get some sticks to hold up the uh, hold up the sign. Now, Grandma Thor kind of catches – or doesn't catch them, excuse me. They go up to her and present her with the $10 bill of, like, the – cookies sold out immediately and then grandma Thor is a little suspicious like they couldn't have sold out that quick and arthur's kind of like they're a little bit caught in the lie so they're gonna have to uh either dig deeper or just come out with it now but then 
uh, Mr. Morris falls over when he opens the janitor's closet, which I kind of didn't understand. Like, I, I don't understand how they hid the cookies so that when he opened the door, they just kind of like flung onto him and nearly broke his foot. We've brought this up before, but it's very Kraft Brothers. Kraft Brothers. Kratt Excuse brothers. me. I do that every <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. They open the closet. Whoa! Oh. But it looked like a pretty deep Jander's closet. It wasn't like, you know, the closet you'd get in your standard bachelor's apartment. It's not like a shelving. Uh, so I, I, I have no idea how this happened. So, uh, Thora takes him to the nurse's office, and then she's like, what I want to know is... What like how did my cookies get into the Jander's closet? And then finally, Arthur and D.W. come out with it, and just like we put them there. Now, doesn't she say something about like the cookies being so heavy they like really injured him? I thought there was like a little joke in there about how her cookies were like so hard and like uh, maybe, heavy that uh, like, maybe that was it. She did. She said like the the nurse says Mr. Morris's foot isn't broken, but something very heavy must have fallen. That's on. what she says. And so I thought the joke there was like. Oh, the cookies are so bad that they're like so hard and heavy and like stale. That yeah, they, they have, they have like the cookies. mass of a dwarf star or something. Yeah, maybe actually that might that might actually be it. What caused the problem? So they had they they're forced to confess that, or well, they don't really. They confess that they put the cookies in there, and right before Grandma Thor can find out why. Uh, Mrs. McGrady comes up and says, you know, we're doing like we're doing great business. This is the best one we've had in years. And of course, this is after all of Grandma Thora's inventory has been moved out. And then finally, Grandma Thora kind of puts it together and asks Mrs. McGrady, tell me the truth. Am I a bad cook? And then Mrs. McGrady kind of like blushes a little bit and just like, why, why do you ask? And then to which I was like, she knew this whole time? Like... If anybody, if the if the burden of confession is on anybody, it's Mrs. McGrady who is who is Thora's peer. Like she's her friend. You know what? Wouldn't, I, you, wouldn't I, you want to tell? I know. I know that it's really hard to tell your friend when they're not so good at something, or like they have to kind of do something better. But like, especially because Mrs. McGrady is a cafeteria lady. Like you'd think this would have probably come up at some point. You know what? I didn't realize this because they, when she sees them at the grocery store and she offers for help, it totally changes the tone of all that stuff. Like yeah. knowing that she's in on it. But I'll I, tell you what. Mm. I think the reason I didn't pick up on this is this is like kind of it's a really almost solemn moment. Like to see Grandma Thora come to the realization that her cooking's not that good and everybody knows it, uh, you feel really bad for her. Yeah, and it's uh, it it really it develops her character a bit because into the next scene, like Grandma Thora is kind of a bit down in the dumps, and to which Mrs. McGrady says uh, that the reason that she's not a very good cook is because she gets preoccupied; she's too busy. And Arthur and D.W. kind of note other times when Grandma Thora did all kinds of other things really well, like she made costumes for the marching band, she fixed uh, her son's car, and it really is like Grandma Thora is a people pleaser. She likes to do things for other people, and when she's found out that she's not a good cook, like that's something that she doesn't do well for other people. Uh, and I think that that's really hard for her to take because she wants to she wants to please everybody, especially people that she loves, like her grandparents and or her grandkids, excuse me, and her and uh, her son and whatnot. So I imagine it's it's a, it's a bit of a blow to her ego. And uh, but Mrs. McGrady has a great piece of advice. She says you can't make a three course meal out of a bicycle. Better to better to go on it and ride. 
it's sort of a it's a little bit of a labored one but you get it's, what she, it, it's, she she's essentially saying. saying when life gives you lemons make lemonade well it's it's more of just like you can't be something that you're not you need to remember what you're good at and just focus on that and it's like yeah that's absolutely true uh and grandma thora does kind of take it well after that she's you know she says i'm lucky i have friends like you three to uh kind of help me realize this and of course uh and and then as arthur and dw go into help clean up the cookies grandma thora says you know thanks for telling me the truth i know that took me took a lot of courage even though they kind of didn't she figured it out for himself but their intention was to get there eventually so it did come to a head and you know so we're all you know it's like we love you grandma and they're like oh you know very sweet uh, and then finally, the stinger of the episode is they find Buster uh, next to the janitor's office with a plate of Grandma Thora's cookies, not only eating Grandma Thora's cookies, eating her cookies off the floor of the janitor's closet. Yeah, doesn't he say, like, they're a little bit good once you get the dirt off? Yeah, once you get the dirt off of them. Oh, delightful. And just like, well, if anybody would like it, it'd be Buster. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Okay, so let's go. Let's let me take you back to uh, Arthur's almost boring day. Lucas, what did you think? Well, actually, well, I was wondering if you wanted to start with this one. I want to know okay. what you thought of Arthur's almost uh, boring day. Sure, yeah, I can. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really like it, and it was because I mentioned before. Um, it's the kind of thing that I remember. It's the ep- it's one of those episodes where when I was a kid, it was totally fine. I understood, it. especially being pretty much Arthur's age around the time it came out. It's just like, of course, like you get bored and all this sort of stuff. You can relate to it a lot more when you're a kid. I'm guessing kids still get bored, uh, you know, even with all of these options. Uh, they just, you know, kid brains kind of adapt to it, and it doesn't it doesn't hold up for me as an adult. Not only because I can't really. Um, identify with you know the being bored as much but also because i it's harder to identify with them when they're being kids and the thing is is that a lot of times arthur is kind of the audience surrogate a little bit but it's not necessarily problems that are exclusive to kids a lot of it is kind of like life lessons where you can kind of like meet it some way of just like oh yeah i kind of dealt with this at one point or something this is a real like it's a kid's problem and they and they deal with it as kids like you know they're very immature. They bick, Arthur and D.W. bicker with each other, and it's just like it gets re- it gets it really got on my nerves. Uh, and you know, not that they can't be kids. And of course, if you're a kid, you know this is this episode's probably fine. But for me, it really didn't have a lot of value going back to it. And I, you know, a, a couple of good lines and all that sort of stuff. The animation was nice, but it wouldn't be an episode that I would really want to watch again. So I agree with you in terms of like the characterization is kind of annoying and I do think it's easier to empathize with when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. But I actually happen to love this episode just oh. for the sole reason that I found it hilarious. It was it was funny. Um, it was funny. And it might be I'm a little bit biased. I do I think per, I I do think I prefer the funnier Arthur episodes or the yep. ones with the more, you know, the more writing, the snappier writing of Arthur. Uh, and this episode I I didn't even notice all of its thought, uh, faults, which I do think exist, as you say. Yeah. Uh, I agree almost totally. But I didn't notice any of that stuff while I was watching it 
because I was just laughing so hard. Like everything that came out of DW's mouth this episode and Arthur's reaction to that stuff, rather than be annoyed by it, I just thought the whole thing was hilarious and really I, funny. I almost wish I could get those lines just free of the context of the episode because for me, it's you know it's almost boring to say, but um, I find the best Arthur episodes are able to combine a little bit of everything into a good package. This was. Like you said, it was very funny. It had some really good lines, but I find that it didn't come through in the other parts. And so I'm not really like I can remember those lines fondly, but not really anything else. And so then conversely with Baked Sale. The Half-Baked Sale, yeah. The Half-Baked Sale. Um, I thought this episode had one of the best endings we've seen so far. Sort of the yeah. growth of Grandma Thora as oh, a character okay. and the way she reacts to – uh, the way when she realizes that she's not a good cook, her emotional response was super realistic. Mm-hmm. Like it's exactly how an adult would act in that situation. And I thought that was really impressive. But I thought the episode as a whole, especially in the middle, I just kind of checked out a little bit. I found mm-hmm. it uh, the opposite of um, the boring day in which I thought it was just kind of boring. Uh, so there wasn't. Ironically. Yeah, exactly. There wasn't the humor. Uh, and I could see where it was going. It was a little bit predictable, yeah. like, oh, they're going to have to tell her that her cooking's bad. Uh, but I did really like the way it wrapped up, and I liked the emotional resonance. Resident? I don't know. Resonance. Yeah, with that. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I do think that that ending part is almost a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say uncharacteristically. I think it's just a bit of a rarer Arthur moment in that it's in that where it's true to life. And I think those are some of the best parts of the show. I, I th- but I do agree with you. I think that the episode that it was contained in was average. I'd say it's average. Uh, like it, it's um, it's okay. Like the animation is pretty good. Uh, the yeah, it wasn't especially like funny. There were a couple of moments here and there, and like I kind of got a kick out of like how gross Grandma Thor's things were that she true, that true. she made. Like I thought that was kind of that was kind of fun in a little bit of a way. But you're right. It was also a little predictable, and it kind of ended the way. But I, I think. The thing I can say about both of these episodes is that there are par- there are parts that don't really add up to a whole with both of them. And you know, for a gra- for the half baked sale, it's the ending, and for uh, uh, almost boring day, it's the humor. And I think those are the strongest parts of each of them. And the rest of it, in Almost Boring Day, like, they actively annoyed me and I didn't really like them. In the Half-Baked Sale, there just is nothing really outstanding. So I, I, I agree with you on that kind of summation. Well, there you have it. Arthur's Almost Boring Day and the Half-Baked Sale. Uh, you know, it it's really hard to kind of judge Arthur episodes on like a recommend or don't recommend thing. Uh, Just keep in mind what we said there. But of course, we would love to know what you thought of the episode. Now, we'll just quickly get into the ways you can get in touch with us. Uh, Let's start it off with ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. What did you think of this pair of episodes or any pair of episodes that we've covered? Send us an email with your feedback. Uh, You can even tell us what you think of the podcast in general. If you have a question for one of us or if you want to comment on one of the many tangents that we go on, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Uh, we will read your email on the air unless you don't want us to, in which case you can send it privately. Just make sure to let us know. On social media, you can find us on Facebook, L- facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, where we're putting up uh, screen caps. And, of course, you can give us a like. So I wanted to highlight this uh, just a few days ago. We got the first of something. Now, I'm always talking about how you can rate and review us on iTunes, but something I completely didn't realize 
was that you can do the very same on Facebook. On Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, you can uh, rate and review us over there. And I just want to take a moment because we got our first five-star review on Facebook. And I want to say a big thank you to Nancy. Nancy, with a five-star review. Um, you know, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much. But that was the first one we got. And it was really Nancy. It perked me up to read. Uh, Lucas, I'll hand it to you here in just a moment. But yeah, you can absolutely rate us over there. Uh, I would also recommend, if you are an active listener of the podcast, to rate us as well on iTunes. I'll get into that right now. We are, of course, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, Rate and review over there. I only say that because that helps us with the iTunes algorithm so that more people can discover us when they open up the podcast app. And that is a way for us to be discovered. Now, of course, giving us a like on Facebook. Always appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter at ECL Podcast. Uh, We've gotten a couple of new followers there, and uh, they are diligently retweeting and liking our our screen caps, which we really, really appreciate. Thank you, everybody. Um, And uh, we will continue to provide you with those. You can also follow us, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. We always love to put up the episode there and uh, put the screen caps there as well. Thank you to everybody who has liked, reblogged, and followed. Uh, It's been really fun to get back into Tumblr. Finally, uh, we are also available on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Elwood City Limits in case you want to stream us. Or maybe if you're one of the people, maybe person who has SoundCloud Pro and you can play us uh, on the go. (laughs) So there you have it. Those are the ways to uh, keep up with us on social media. Now next week, next week's going to be a bit of a special episode because this will be the first time that Elwood City Limits will have a special guest. That's right. We are going to have a special guest with us to a special guest reviewer for the next pair of episodes. And I thought it was actually kind of appropriate because in the next episode of Arthur, we get a new character being introduced. So the next pair of episodes to look out for, uh, to watch along with us, is Sue Ellen Moves In Ooh. and The Perfect Brother. So a little bit of uh, characters being introduced there and being fleshed out. And of course, we'll be fleshing out our own new character, the Elwood City Limits universe. All right, Lucas, hit me with it. A stick from the park where you promised to take me today! I never promised you anything. (laughs) All right, so for Lucas Mancini, my name is Will Young. Thank you, everybody, for your continued support of Elwood City Limits. Send us in some emails, eh? I'd love to read some emails. Anyway, that's all I'll say. Thanks a lot for tuning into this episode. We will catch you next week with our special guest.